0: You are listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website. This is Baptistchurch.com. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that that there is always a morning. The Bible says that sometimes darkness can last, but the night, but joy. Comes in the morning. And Lord, no matter what, dear Lord, we praise you because springtime is always coming in the life of a believer. And so, Lord, we give you glory. We pray, dear Lord, now as we go to your word, that Lord, you open up our hearts, open up our minds. That God, you do something today that will ring into each one of our lives. Lord, may we not look at anybody else and think, well, I hope they're listening or I hope they're thinking about what was just said may we take every part of this message Lord personally intimately into our own heart Lord cleanse me forgive me I've already been on my knees privately Lord asking you to use me today but also asking you to forgive me where I fail you and Lord that would be my prayer for every listener and so Lord we pray all of this in the name of Jesus Amen Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to take them and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And we're looking today at verses 13 and 14. 1 Corinthians. Thank you, Bethany. Thank you so much. Bible school, we'll be talking about that at the end of the service today. We're going to take a time to recognize uh, Bethany and uh, spend a moment just telling you a little bit about what a great meeting it was this week how many of you have your bibles have it to first corinthians sixteen, thirteen through 14 well amen if you don't hopefully you got a phone app and you'll be able to do that i'm staring hearing music up here so i don't know if uh it's not been cut off yet or not but first corinthians 16 beginning at verse 13 paul writes B and we remember we've been going through the book of First Corinthians we're coming to the end of it but I have to tell you that when you get to verses 13 and 14 Paul gives these five imperatives these commands that in 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 a lot of ways is like a mini sermon within itself in fact I would say to every parent if I were looking for a passage of scripture that I wanted to you know, kind of embed into the life of my children. If you're a grandparent in the life of your grandchildren, it would be these verses here. I think I would write them, put them. I think I would teach my children to memorize them and, and to keep them always in their heart. First Corinthians 16, beginning at verse 13, Paul said these words, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith be men of courage, be strong, and then look at verse 14. That's where we are today. Do everything in, and let's say it together, in love. Let's pray again. Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we ask you, dear Lord, uh, to be with us in in this service, and we give you all the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated I always, and I really need you to listen, I always, when I'm preaching something that is very personally to me, find it difficult. Verse 14 is very personal to me. Do everything in love. I would say as your pastor, and and at 66 years old, I've tried to live my life in many ways like that, doing everything in love. Sacrificially, a lot of times, not only giving in my marriage, and my family, to the church, to friendships, uh, it's something that, that I personally have tried to live out, do everything in love. Recently, uh, I bought a zero-turn lawnmower. And you may say, my goodness, what does that have to do with what you're preaching on today? You know, the Indians would say, that you 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 never can understand a man or a woman, and maybe you can't really love somebody. You surely can't understand them until you've walked a mile in their moccasins, in their shoes. And uh, to be honest with you, uh, people in the landscape business, when I look at a zero turn and watch them on a zero turn, I think to myself, man, that's the way to cut grass. I mean, that is the way to cut grass. And I make this stupid statement. That looks like a lot of fun. It looks like a lot of fun. Now, for some of you kind of looking around, you're not in the landscape business. You may cut your grass, but you know nothing of making your living every day on a lawnmower cutting grass. So I, I thought, you know, that that looks fun. That 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 looks and boy man, you could move so fast, cut grass so quickly. So I did a lot of research. I finally bought a zero turn because really heart wise I need it. And and so I did and and when I went to buy it, they tried to sell you on the status, you know, the latest equipment. And I finally looked at the guy and I said, why is that lawnmower so much more than that lawnmower? He said, it's the suspension system. He said, that seat alone costs a lot and ups the value. And I'm thinking to myself, that's, that's silly. What difference would suspension take make on a lawnmower until I bought one? Mine didn't have the fancy suspension system. Yesterday, I would worked hard, and at the end of the day, I thought, man, I'm going to knock this grass out. A new fancy zero-turn lawnmower. Now, I thought I was going to have to get Emily to come back it off the trailer because Emily's like a ballet dancer with a, with a zero-turn because her and Corey have done landscaping for many, many years. So I thought I'm going to have to get Emily to come over here and get the thing off the trailer. So I look like a 90-year-old man inching along trying to get it off the trailer. I've cut, a, a cut, a, cut the grass a couple of times. So I got out there, and, and after working, I was tired, but I was going to knock out the yard. When I got off the lawnmower, this is literally how I was walking. I literally almost thought, I, can, I am not going to make it. This lawnmower is not what I thought it would be. You know, you don't know what people are going through. You don't understand until you walk in their shoes. And for every landscape business, for every man who pulls a trailer loaded with a zero-turn and lawnmower and weed-eater and blower and poisons and all the things that they carry, I understand much better The stress of what they do after cutting my grass, after working my rear off all day and doing it at the end of the day. You'll never know a pastor's life because you will have never been where I am. And so, Paul in 1st corinthians is dealing with a very very tough church Uh, corinth was a seedbed of all kinds of problems drunkenness sexual promiscuity immoral unethical unbiblical behavior this this was a tough church and so paul is going back to what i believe is a theme and that is love he says do everything in love now i want you to take a left and go back to first corinthians 13 and i want you to listen to me real quickly when you get to verse 13, uh, chapter 13 1 corinthians 13 i want you to look this way in a, in a little while we're going to have an invitation i'm going to stand right here i'm asking you not to come to me okay you say well brother jeff what a, if you're coming for salvation and I know of one who may come today for salvation. If you're coming for salvation, feel free to come to me. If you're coming for prayer, if you're coming for any other reason other than salvation, I want you to go to the altar, go to the cross, go to somebody else. Okay? And I want you to listen to these words. I want you to listen to them as if you've never heard them before. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul said this. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries, all knowledge, if I have faith that can move a mountain, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Wow. Even secular, even non-Christians, even people who would call themselves an atheist, hold that passage up. is probably one of the greatest definitions of love. And so it's not not remarkable to me that when Paul is closing out the letter to this church at Corinth, he says, do everything in love. And he uses there the word agape. He doesn't use phileo, which is friendship. He doesn't use eros, which is erotic, sensual love. He uses a Greek word there that means self-sacrificing God love. It's the kind of love that is always putting, it's always putting itself behind. Paul said, let all things be done with love. Do, and that's the King James, do everything in love. And it's interesting because it's the do word. You know, love is a verb. Love is action. Love is more what we do. It, it motivates us. It It drives us, everything that we do. This kind of love Paul's talking about about is outward focus. It's always thinking about other people, it's never thinking about itself. It's where it spends its time. It's sacrificial, it's self denying. I wrote down here being vulnerable ministry a call to ministry Uh, this is probably a word and a passage that I've taken more seriously than I have any other passage in all the bible but in ministry uh, if there's a danger in what I do it can be your ingratitude If there is a reason that pastors burn out, it's because they don't hear the word, the words thank you anymore. We're a very narcissistic society. We tend to think about ourselves. We don't take those servants. I don't think we would ever stop and look at a law enforcement. And this past week, a law enforcement officer in Meridian gave his life in order, in one of the most dangerous situations. And believe you me, as an ambulance, working with an ambulance service for years, I've been to those scenes where there were multiple stabbings in a single home in a domestic violent occasion. Let me tell you, for law enforcement, the most dangerous situation to go into is domestic violence, and one African-American precious life was taken in Meridian trying to defend and protect the children of a man who would then shoot and kill him who had already killed the man's wife, his own wife. You know, it's, it's easy. We can become ungrateful. We can take things for granted. We become unappreciative. I think that's the hardest thing, Dave, beyond a ministry. Is so often when my phone rings, it's always a problem a difficulty, a heartache, a struggle, a, 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 a counseling. We don't get much good news. I was watching, Sheila and I were watching Homestead Rescue. I don't know if you've ever watched this show, but it's an interesting man. He's probably my age. He's a bigger-than-life kind of individual. He's got a big old his uh, kind of mustache and he's, uh, he, he's, he's very knowledgeable very extrovert very outgoing and his son and his daughter and they basically are going into situations where families have moved what would be called off-grid and they move into these places in Alaska, Smokies, Ozarks. But they move off-grid, trying to live in a very desolated, isolated place. And once they get into that homestead lifestyle, it becomes more than they can handle. And often they're barely surviving. In this, this, this show, this series called Homestead Rescue, they come in and they basically help people learn how to cope. With living on off-grid, living in a homestead, often people are enamored. They look at this individual and they think, wow, he's such a kind person. They're such a sweet family. They do so much good. And I'm thinking to myself, I've done that for 40 years with no cameras, no money, no nothing. The reality is, is that sometimes if we're not careful, we become ungrateful. And so Paul says here, Paul says, and I think Paul reveals a little bit of his own heart. He says, do everything with love. And I thought, boy, that's hard, isn't it? Isn't it hard? Isn't it hard to love? Isn't it hard when we look at 1 Corinthians 13 to love that way? For example, isn't it hard not to keep a record of wrong? Don't we tend to do that? Isn't it hard to love that agape, sacrificial, Godlike, Jesus kind of love? Let me give you a principle, and let me tell you one of the reasons it may be is sometimes we respond from the woundedness of the past. Let me repeat that. Sometimes we respond from the woundedness of the past. That's why sometimes we have it difficult. We have difficulty loving the way Christ would have us to love because we keep a record of wrong, or we think, you know, there, there's some woundedness back there that, that tends to cause us to have difficulty loving that way. Um one of the hardest things, let me I'm I'm being personal today. I remember when I was in high school, I worked for Piggly Wiggly. Uh, I was a bagger, you know, stock, stocking kid, working minimum wage, worked hard. I've worked since I was probably about 13. In fact, my first job was at Rose Oil. We didn't have a lot. So I worked, I think when I was working there for about $12 a day. Uh, but I remember working in the grocery store and, and my mom and dad, uh, it was Christmas. Christmas was coming up and I, we didn't have hardly anything. I mean, it was tough. And so I was working extra hours and they had an ice cream truck coming. Some of you young people may not know what a day of hard work is. But I was working and, and they had asked for a volunteer, somebody to come in, make some extra hours, unloading the frozen food truck, unloading the ice cream truck. And a lot of people didn't like that because it was just cold. It was hard. And it was in the winter. But I wanted to do that because Mr. Coffee had just come out. The coffee, the drip coffee maker had just come out and my parents loved coffee and I wanted to buy them a Mr. Coffee. And it wasn't cheap, not to a kid making minimum wage, which was not much more than a dollar an hour. Well, anyway, I saved up, I did the work, I bought the coffee pot and I gave it to my mom and dad on, on Christmas and I'll never forget Uh, My dad was so excited. I thought they were excited. My mom got mad at me one day. I'll never forget this. And in her anger, she said, and I never liked that coffee pot you bought. Wow. Now with a doctorate in counseling, I since learned that my mom was answering and responding out of her own woundedness. Because that's what we do. I guess that's why one of the things that as a pastor, I've always found it difficult. i will never seem it's hard to do what you do with, with a world of ingratitude. And so Paul said we're to love like Jesus, but we find it hard to do because we are also wounded. You know, 1 John 4, 6 says this. You don't have to turn the... You know what it says? It says God is what? God is love. That means His very nature. Supreme attribute. The primary characteristic. If you could sum God up in one word, you would sum Him up as love. His character. His nature. His very very being is love he does not have the capacity not to love and that's why Jesus said to Nicodemus when he laughed and said Nicodemus for God so loved the world the cosmos that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life I did my doctorate at reformed Today there seems to be a lot of arguing back and forth as Southern Baptists are dealing with the issue of Calvinism, of the Reformed theology. And I often believe that the problem is, is this word love. I wrote down here the system of theology. For some, their system of theology would so stress God's holiness that it stresses His holiness over His love. Some feel as if we give love, as if we give God what he rightfully deserves in love, that somehow somehow we have to compromise his holiness, and we don't have to do that. God's holy, but God is love. And let me tell you something. Listen, you and I never look more like God than when we love to the extreme. When we are governed, and everything about us is what would God have me to do here? My grandmother used to make this statement. Listen to this. She would say, she would say to me, she called me doll baby. She would say, doll baby, we will, either get, we will either get better or we will get bitter. And I thought to myself, we'll either be more loving as we get older Or we'll be less loving. We'll be more grateful. Or we'll be less grateful. We'll take things for granted. Feel like they're owed to us. Uh, We'll be more merciful. Or we'll be less merciful. We'll be more compassionate. Or we'll become less compassionate. Let me ask you something. Do you love like Jesus? Do I love like Jesus? Are you a thankful, appreciative, loving person? Or do you just use people? You just take them for granted. You just figure they'll always be there to answer the phone. You remember when Jesus healed ten lepers? It's an interesting look into the life of Christ. It's an interesting look into the very character of the creator. He healed ten lepers. And the Bible said how many came back to thank him? One. And you remember what Jesus did in that moment? Jesus said, he looked at the one, he said... He said, weren't there ten? Where are the other nine? And I thought to myself, we get a glimpse into the life of Jesus. We get a glimpse into the character of God because God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. We get a glimpse into the very heart of God. In other words, God tells you and I, he says, I want you to love like I love. And God says something else, I need you to be thankful But we're not. You know, Ledge made an observation today in Sunday school. It was frightening. He and Lauren kind of in tag team unison were making an observation during Pride Month. Have you noticed Pride Month? Have you noticed the level of which we are promoting Pride Month? I mean, if I were African American, I would say, my goodness, Black History Month is pales in comparison to Pride Month. Nearly every channel, nearly every channel, every, everybody now is, 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 is raising funds, doing this, doing that. It, 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 it's, it's a degree that's almost a preoccupation with it. And Legend, Lauren, kind of in unison, made this statement. Sometimes you get the feeling that we're on the verge of a catastrophic judgment of God. You may say, well, Brother Jeff, do you have anything against the homosexual, the gay community? Absolutely not. In fact, if you tried to badmouth me, I guarantee there are gay men and women that would fight you if you had the audacity to insult me. Because I love like Jesus loves when it comes to the gay community. And I have a hard time with some Christians who raise it up to be the unforgivable sin and make it some kind of leper colony. I have a real hard time with that. When pornography is an epidemic in the church. But I also feel like I have a right to raise my children the way I believe the Bible to teach. But we're to love like Christ love. The problem is in relationships, and let me tell you, this is the problem in loving and doing everything in love. Sometimes when we love people, we have to confront them that day beyond that's ministry now that's what you do in ministry uh Therese sitting back there i know is tearing up when i was talking about the officer in meridian because she has such a heart for these men and women jackson jpd one of the lowest play one of the lowest paid police departments of any city anywhere in the entire country most of us in this room would not live, could not live, on what JPD makes, but we'll give them down the road, won't we? I take my granddaughter to school. We stop at a light at a vacant house. It is a profanity, unbelievable profanity toward JPD. But hey, wait a minute. I haven't walked in their shoes. And before you think, well, you're just a blue life matter. No, I'm a black life matter too. And when you sit with a dad whose son has been killed in, a, in an altercation with law enforcement and a misunderstanding and watch that dad grieve over that loss, you realize that The truth of the matter is it is impossible for me to walk in the shoes of the black man, the black woman. It's impossible for me to walk into the shoes of a patrolman. It's impossible for me to do that. But what I can do, I can be totally yielded to the love of God and behave like Jesus Christ. And Jesus through the power of his indwelling Holy Spirit gives me the ability to see into the heart of both blue and black and white. And sometimes the reality is, if I'm going to love like Christ loved, then there's one word that I forgot a long time ago. It is the word listen. I love the 13th warrior, where this Muslim is traveling with this group of Norsemen who are going to deal with a problem that's kind of a fictitious monster type creature. But as they're on their way, he doesn't understand the language of the Norsemen. He's listening to these Northmen as they're talking, these Viking-type figures, bigger than life. He doesn't understand. And finally, after weeks and weeks of traveling with him, and you would watch him, he's listening. He's looking at the mouth of these Vikings as they're, as they're talking. And all of a sudden, a Viking says to another Viking, he said, and he, he said it in his dialect, but he said it in their language, he's making fun of this Muslim's mother. And when he says that, the Muslim who's never said a word in their language responds in their language, and immediately this man jumps up as if he's going to take his head off. And he said, how do you know our language? And he said, I listened. That's what we don't do. Sometimes we get in arguments and fights because we don't listen anymore. We don't hear the heart sometimes of a person who's crying out, who's struggling and battling. We don't hear. We don't listen. The reality is the love is Christ loved means that sometimes we have to confront people with truth. And yet even with that, you know, some people are vindictive with the truth. They use the truth as some kind of weapon to beat people over the head the bible says speak the truth in love and i can tell you i don't have to look at it i can tell you already it's not a phileo eros love it's an agape kind of love so truth is essential to real love let me give you an example if somebody you love, let's say if your husband, let's say your wife, let's say that she came home and she had these bright neon green spandex plant pants that she had found on the clearance rack on sale. They're spandex, they're I mean they're they're the kind of tight-fitting, and they are a neon green and and she puts these pants on. She has this sunshine, yellow red, yellow shirt, sunshine, yellow shirt. She tucks it in. She pulls the spandex up and you're just sitting there. And men, you know what's getting ready to happen for you guys that are not married never make this mistake. When the woman comes in and asks you this question, do you think this makes me look heavy? Do you think this looks good? Do you think this makes me look fat? Men never answer that question. Always lie. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. The reality is, in that moment, a man is faced with truth. Right? And he could say, well, you know, I have in the past kind of not been honest, but this neon green spandex and this outfit that she has on is so horrible that I can't even imagine her wearing this in public and she's wearing it to work tomorrow and she will be the talk of the entire office school or wherever she's at and so at this point you make this decision you make the decision to tell the truth. Why? Because you love this person so much that the thought of them being made fun of, laughed at, ridiculed, gossiped about is more than you can stand. And so the reality is, is that you throw caution to the wind and you know you'll be ostracized and you know you'll be alienated. But in that moment, you look at her and say, that is the ugliest outfit that you have ever put on. I can't stand that outfit. And if you wear it tomorrow to work, they're going to laugh at you, you're going to make fun of you and do not believe anything. Anybody who has the audacity to tell you that that looks good on you because they're lying and then you run for cover why because the love like Jesus loves means that sometimes you have to speak the truth in fact sometimes you know people that really love you because they risk being alienated from you to tell you the truth ministry if it is done correctly, is a lifetime, decades of telling people truth. Most of us have nobody in our life who tells us the truth anymore. We don't want to hear the truth. We put around us people who tell us, like Rehoboam in the Old Testament, the son of Solomon. We put people around us who tell us what we want to hear. But if we're to love and to do everything in love, if we're to love like Christ loved, then we need to give people the freedom to be able to tell us the truth. Those people who love us. And instead of reacting, we need to learn to shut our mouth and to listen. I always tell people in counseling there are three responses when I hear something I don't want to hear. Number one, I get angry. Number two, I get hurt. Number three, this is critical. Is it true? So Paul's closing out this letter. He's told a lot of truth. Corinth was a difficult place. But the reality is, is that he would tell the truth. I I close with this illustration. I wasn't going to use it, but I think it's it's good. And I, I actually took a picture of it so I could remember it. Um, for those of you, well, let me just read it. It said, a committee of prominent Chicago citizens waited in one of the city's railroad stations some years ago. They were to welcome one of the greatest men in the world at that time. He arrived, he greeted them in three languages. He was a giant of a man six feet, four inches tall, with bushy hair and a walrus mustache. The reception committee stood talking about how honored they were to meet him and how the important people of the city were waiting to entertain him. Suddenly, the giant of a man asked to be excused. He walked rapidly through the crowd onto the railroad station platform coming to an old woman who was struggling with a heavy, heavy suitcases. He scooped up her bags with his great hands. Then he told her to follow him. He worked his way through the throng and took the woman to her railroad coach. After wishing her a good journey, he returned to the committee. Sorry to keep you waiting, gentlemen, he apologized. I was just having my daily fun. The distinguished visitor was Albert Schweitzer. Famous philosopher, musician, doctor, and missionary. One man in the committee said, First time I ever saw, listen to this, a sermon walking. Another man said, A lot of us stuffed shirts were unstuffed in that moment. Well, that might be a man with a world mission engaged in writing a profound history of civilization. Listen to this, was demonstrating in a simple, unaffected way the love of God for the least individual and the democracy of true brotherhood, here was a true Christian. Young people, you, sad to say, and I want to apologize to you, you have grown up with fast food. You've grown up with a lot of entitlement. You've grown up in one of the most securest, most powerful nations in all the world. That's not my words, young people. My cousin who worked and retired from the Secret Service made this statement to a group. I was speaking and he was speaking. When he was speaking to them, he said, you don't understand when you're an American. When the President of the United States walks into the Assembly of any meeting anywhere in the world the entire climate and atmosphere of that meeting changes because he's come into the room. We have lived with security like few nations enjoy. We have lived with economic privilege that most nations of the world have no idea. You don't know what it is to live with a cup of of rice for your meal. You know nothing about what it is to be in Zimbabwe and to eat greens every day with boiled cornmeal. You don't know. Let's pray and let's stand. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to you. And Lord, this message today, may it ring in our hearts. May it ring in our ears may we be reminded as Paul said to the church at Corinth do everything in love but Lord for so many of us we respond with the woundedness of the past we make ourselves unlovable and we make ourselves where we can't love like the Bible would have us to love for some of us we've learned to survive We've learned to live our life, but we still have not learned to love like Jesus loved. So Lord, I pray today, I pray that every decision that men and women, boys and girls, dads would learn how to love moms, moms would learn how to love dads, moms and dads would learn how to love children, grandparents would love, love to learn how to love grandchildren, and grandchildren and children would learn how to love mom and dad and grandma and grandpa lord we had to learn how to love those in the workplace those we go to school with those who look different from us those whose colors may not be the same as ours god may we not judge people by the pigment in their skin may we not judge people by their age may we not judge people by what they wear how they dress May we not judge them by what they put on their body, but may we walk in their shoes for just a little while. May we say, Lord, help me to understand this person that I'm married to. Help me to understand this person that is my dad, is my mom, is my pastor, is my teacher, is the police officer, is, dear Lord, uh a homeless man on the streets. May we, dear Lord, become less defensive, trying rather to win an argument, being defensive. May we back down and begin to listen deep. May we learn to listen, Jesus, as you listened. God, I pray today, I thank you for Southside. But Lord, we got a long ways to go. We're on our way, but we're not there yet. And may you, dear Lord, today use us with a new commitment to listen more than we talk. As teachers would say, you got two ears and one mouth. Undoubtedly, Jesus wanted you to listen twice as much as you speak. May we become more appreciative. May we stop and remember what people do for us. How they make our life a little easier. May we not take for granted the phone calls when we're backs against the wall and we call and say, I need help. May we recognize that sometimes a parent doesn't need a call of desperation, they need the fellowship of their children, their grandchildren. Men die before women. Reason being probably because they carry a much greater load. Lord, make us more thankful. Make us more appreciative. Make us more noticeable of the woman who waits our table. Who may carry the weight of the world. May we not judge people because we see them as wealthy. Living out on the reservoir. Driving a six-figure car vehicle and thinking they've got it made when their children are rebelling and they're going through a dark time in their marriage. Millionaires who, millionaires who are struggling and afraid. May we never forget that people sometimes who have great popularity, Hollywood, politicians, sports figures, are taking their lives today because in the midst of all of their success, They're hurting in the soul. God, make us more like Jesus. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, you come.